JP and Delilah's Wine Adventure, Episode 0, Meet JP and Delilah. Hey folks, JP here. Delilah and I are really busy right now getting things ready for this podcast, but I did want to take a quick few moments to let you know what you can expect once things get rolling. We plan to bring you three or four basic types of episodes. Some will be conversational as Delilah and I discuss our current winemaking and wine adventure plans. Others will be short status updates, letting you know what's going on with the current batches of homemade wine that Delilah has stashed away in her basement wine cellar. And the ones I think I'm looking forward to the most will be episodes where we record live at various places we visit, wineries, vineyards, wine shops, stuff like that. So thank you for subscribing and checking us out, and please help spread the word about this new show. And now, without any further ado, uh, let's take a few moments to meet JP, that's me, and Delilah. Well, hello everybody. For the sake of this podcast, I am JP. And I am Delilah. And this is JP and Delilah's Wine Adventure. See, I told you podcasting would be easy. Well, Delilah, we are starting a great wine adventure, and we're going to learn how to make wine, apparently. We're already making wine. We're making two batches of wine right now. <laughs> yep. That, that's a big progress from uh, a week ago when we recorded a podcast teaser talking about what we plan to do, and now we've got two batches going. Apparently, it's not that hard. It's not. No, just a lot of waiting. If the, that's the hardest part. Okay, well, our description calls us two non-wine snobs. What is a wine snob to you, Delilah? A wine snob is somebody who sniffs the wine and can tell you everything about it, and they feel like they're the... The, they, they, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. A wine snob is what I'm not. How about that? Okay. And, and I'm the type of person that I will drink wine if it tastes good. And most of the fancy wines that I'm supposed to appreciate, I think taste bitter and nasty. Yeah. Okay. I agree. So, um, do you have a, a much of a wine history? Nope. I, um, I don't like wine or I never did like wine. I used to have to go, um, as part of my job with some, some of these people that came in from, um, overseas and we would always go out to eat and always had wine with dinner. And it was always one of those really red, thick, bitter tasting wines that I never, never understood. I didn't even like the smell of them. I thought they smelled gross. So that's what wine meant to you. Mm-hmm. I never liked it. And what changed? What, what made you, uh, suddenly have your own wine based podcast? Well, I went, and it's been quite a while now, but I went to meet a friend. I don't know if you would have called it a date or just meeting up with a friend at this place called The Corkscrew. And we went there to just hang out and talk and ended up having a bottle of New Age was the the brand of the wine. And it was a white wine and it was a sweet wine. And I really enjoyed it. It was almost like a champagne-y taste. It's, it wasn't too, too sweet, but it was it was really light and I I really liked it. So when I left there, I said that I would eventually go back and buy another bottle, and I have bought several since, including its sister variety, which is a pink wine. Now, that's really funny, because one of the first times that I met you, you actually brought me a bottle of New New Age. Age. So now I know. So New Age was your discovery. It's like, here's a wine I like. Now, during the time you were drinking New Age, did you drink and try any other types of wines? I did. I was at a uh, Renaissance Fair, and I do believe it was was at Somerset. Somerset Winery, yes, that's Cabamosh. right. Cabamosh. Ah. It's a red wine, and it, it's one that it took getting a little bit of use used to. The first couple sips were hard for me, but then after that, I really enjoyed that one. So those were the only two wines that I really liked. Okay, now Cabamosh is uh, known as Party in a Bottle. It's made by the Somerset Winery, which is uh, somewhere in Iowa. So I think they're in maybe Indianola, Iowa, someplace like that. 
And it's one of several wines they make. And Cabo Moche is a very thick, very strong, very sweet and delicious. I don't know if you'd call it a table wine or a dessert wine. Table wine. A table wine. All right, so New Age and then Cabo Moche, some kind of grape wine at a Renaissance uh, festival. What else did you find? I also tried uh, mead at in Kansas City. Okay, now mead is a honey-based wine. Yes. Which to me is a very different but very delicious type of thing. So do you like mead? I do, but it is very, it is thick, and it's seriously almost like drinking honey. Honey with a kick. All right. Okay, so, so I did not realize that your wine experience was literally new age and then all this stuff that's been in the last just few months. Yeah, because I hated wine. It was bleh. That is amazing. Okay, now see, now I come from a, a very different background. My grandmother used to raise me um, drinking. She would give me dry white wine to drink fairly regularly, and she would always tell me about, oh, that's how the kids in France, and they all let them drink wine, and it makes everybody healthy, which now I'm hearing there might be something to that, just from the uh, some of the positive benefits of grapes. So I was raised drinking dry white wine, and I don't think I ever really discovered anything that was sweet until, oh, it's probably been 13 years now, when a bunch of my buddies that had all got a job and moved to Iowa uh, went out and bought a bunch of alcohol, and I bought a bottle of something called Mad Dog 2020, which I don't know if you've ever had that wine. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. I don't know if that's even called wine. So I went from uh, thinking wine was this dry, white thing to experiencing the the joys of a $2 bottle of grape stuff. And uh, since then, I have uh, learned to appreciate dessert wines out in California, but I like the sweet wines. There is a theme park, Disney's California Adventure. When it opened, it was sponsored. That section was sponsored by the Mondavi Winery. And I would try their wines out there and actually went to a wine tasting presentation where they let us sample four different types of wines and explained what was in them. And every single glass was nasty, bitter, icky stuff, which is why I much, much prefer something like Arbor Mist or Boone's Farm or any of that cheap, sweet stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm certainly not a wine person, but I love a good, sweet-tasting, uh, fruity kind of wine. So uh, you have a, a brand-new wine background because you discovered something you like, and I've been all across the board. I can drink dry, bitter wine with the best of them, but I don't want to pay a lot of money for it because I just... I've discovered that I can spend a lot less money and have something that I like a lot more. Now, what kicked off the whole desire to make wine? When did you even get the idea that it was possible to make wine at home? Uh, A trip to Amana, the Amana colonies. Um, Went out there for a weekend, of course, as you know, and went from one winery to another tasting all their wines, and they make fruit wine, fruit dessert wines from mango Apple, strawberry, pineapple, rhubarb, even dandelion wine. And I should mention, Amana Colonies is kind of a uh, historic German-filling settlement in eastern Iowa. It's one of the top tourist destinations of Iowa. And it's a bunch of little towns put together with a lot of arts and craft shows and blacksmiths and glass blowers and tons of great restaurants and gifts and shopping and chocolates. It's all kinds of stuff. But at one time, it must have had about seven different wineries all making this delicious fruit-based wine. Some of them use whole fruit. Some of them have to make it from concentrate. Some of them use grapes actually grown in Iowa. But it is a complete different wine experience because everything there is sweet, 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 delicious uh, table wine. So, so what was your uh, some of your favorite wines you discovered? The types of wine. Um, well, interestingly enough, I noticed on the second day that a lot of the wines that I 
didn't like the first day were delicious on the second. So <laughs> it's possible that after having tasted that many samples and that um, that uh, fundraiser that we went to that evening that maybe I just numbed up my taste buds. But uh, mango was my first love out there. It was one of the first ones that we tried from Ackerman's. Is it Ackerman's or Ackerman's? Uh, might be Ackerman's. Ackerman's Winery. Their mango wine was just divine. So I think that was my favorite one there. Then I, I like the apricot was good. The rhubarb from, I can't remember the name of it, something Vintner's. The Village Vintner. Village Vintner. Their rhubarb wine was by far and wide my favorite. I do recall one of them being really bitter. The cranberry lover, it was... Cranberry and apple is a lover's wine, right? I think it's cranberry and plum is a lover's wine. Okay, cranberry and plum. Oh, cranberry and apple was the autumn harvest. So there there was a whole slew of them that I really liked. I wasn't a big fan of the pineapple. It tasted like straight, like 100-proof alcohol. And that's the bottle that I brought home that I've spent over uh, two weeks trying to get through. The raspberry was delicious. It felt like You'd swallow the wine, and then it was like you you swear that you could chew on the raspberry seeds when you were done. And there was also peach, and one of my favorites is apple wine. And what amazes me is, of the four or five different wineries we visited, they all make a plum, they all make a cherry, and they're all different. We actually found a cherry. I've gone there a number of times over the last ten years. And I've never, I've liked cherry, but I've never really liked the cherry wine. And we actually found a cherry wine this year that was actually really good. So I guess it varies based on, I don't know, how the wine process goes. Yeah, and strangely enough, everything that's cherry always tastes like cough syrup to me. So I really, it wasn't bad. Now, if you recall, we mixed the cranberry and then the cherry. So then it was really quite tart. <laughs> Apparently that, we're that, not supposed to do that. Yeah, that that one was hard to swallow, but... Um, the cherry was, was really good, which actually stemmed the whole desire to try to make cherry wine at home. That's kind of where it came okay. from. Okay. All right. So you get back from the Amana colonies after visiting a half dozen wineries, trying everything from yeah, rhubarb and dandelion wine to port and even that one place that had the real fancier tasting dry wines. What they called medium dry wines. Oh, that was medium dry. Wow. Yes. And then I came back and I was telling people about my trip to Amana and one of my friends' father actually has a couple grapevines in their backyard. And I recall now after I was talking to her that, um, you you know, you can make your own wine at home. And I had gotten some of these bottles as gifts. But, of course, I'm not a fan of the grape-tasting wines, the grape wines. So they've never been my favorite by any means. But So I talked to her and I talked to a couple other people about it and then started discussing the making wine at home and how easy it was, which is how we got into the winemaking. Oh, so because you were telling somebody the story of Amana, it refreshed your memory that you had a friend that had a relative that makes wine. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I talked to them and some other people, and then that's that's when you got the phone call that, oops, I brought this big wine kit. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, a hundred and some odd dollars later, actually more based on the second kit and all the little wine things, and uh, we have two batches of wine going on right now. Yes, but a hundred dollars initial investment to the fact that the only thing that we're going to have to purchase here in the future for quite a while is actually the juice or the fruit. And then it makes your bottles of wine come out to be a dollar to a dollar and a half about. And now we're talking Boone's Farm pricing. That's fantastic. Boone's Farm pricing, but at your yummy tasting. Let's hope we're doing it right because we're going to have six gallons of something to drink here in a couple of months. Well, we're sending that stuff to 
family and friends. Oh, good, good. We'll keep the stuff we like. That's right. Fantastic. All the yuckies go to <laughs> go to everybody well, else. Maybe that's why you've never liked the homemade wine anybody's given you because that's what they're doing. They're doing their kindred, their yucky ones. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So we'll be talking a lot more in this podcast about the different type of winemaking kits that we've discovered, the larger ones, the smaller sized ones. Which ones work, which ones don't. Yep. And a lot of this, some of the wines seem incredibly easy to do, and some of the other ones seem to require a lot of effort and checking and maintenance. So as we learn what we're doing, we will share which ones are easy, which ones are difficult, so you can make a decision about what type of kit you might like to buy. And... Um, I think we're probably going to end up making about a half dozen types of wines in these little small two-gallon containers, so we can try to have something ready, you know, every month or so. And uh, we'll try to get these episodes out as we have news, and a lot of them will be short five-minute episodes. Sometimes we'll sit down and have a conversation. And during the time when we don't have wine reports to give you, we're going to actually start going to places, uh, wineries, doing wine tasting, and we'll just kind of take you along for the ride because... This is a whole new experience for both of us. We've drank wine, we've discovered wine, we're making wine. Well, darn it, now it's time for us to start researching wine. So, Delilah? JP? Well, what do you think? I think it's a, I think it's a wrap. All right. I think it's time to go drink our wine. Okay, well, we're going to drink some wine that somebody else made. So thanks, everybody, for listening to JP, JP and Delilah's, Delilah's Wine Adventure. Another crappy podcast production.